So when you hear the word discipleship, what comes to mind? Uh, how do you respond to it? Is it something that you hear and you go, oh, I'm so excited. Yes, I want to be involved in it. Or is it more of that sense of, ugh, I'm overwhelmed. I'm a little bit stressed about that. I hope nobody asks me to disciple them. You know, do you, I have a good understanding of what discipleship means. And I remember, I, I put this in your study, but I remember uh, Dr. Hendricks telling us, challenging us as students at Dallas that if you want to make a difference with your life, invest it in the life of somebody else. There's no greater investment. And so that's what discipleship is, is investing your life in someone else. And I'm so thankful for the women who have discipled me throughout my life, especially starting in college, with Bonnie discipling me in the foundational truths. And then that summer, a, a, a girl named Joyce who I still stay in touch with now. Um, and then my senior year, Mary, who took me from no foundation to really giving me that foundation so that when I graduated from college, I knew that I wanted to spend my life doing what those women did in my life by helping me grow, by changing my life. And some of you may be thinking, oh, Cricket, I'm too young. Um, I don't have enough life experience. I don't have enough wisdom. Uh, I'm not ready. I'm, I, I can't do it yet. The thing is, is that there's always somebody younger than you are that you can disciple. Um, Timothy was young, and God used him. And then on the other spectrum, there may be some of you, and I don't know why I'm looking over here, okay? There's some... <laughs> There are some of you who are saying, oh, Cricket, I'm too old. That, that's for those young women. I, I've done that, passed that, can't do that anymore. Or you may be saying, well, why would a young woman want to spend time with me? And I've asked that question. I'm thinking, why would they want to spend time with me now? And so, but the thing is, they do. If you're walking with the Lord, they want to glean from your wisdom in life. And then there are some of you young moms, which I'll look over at this. I think most of the young moms are over here. But there's some of you young moms who are saying, Cricket, I have six kids in my house, or four, or two. And you're saying, I do not have one spare moment to put into anybody else's life. I cannot disciple. And I want you to hear me. Those kids are your disciples in this season. And you don't need to feel guilty or pressured those kids are who God has placed in your life to pour into and disciple. Now, it's great if you have time. Some young moms are super women that can do all this, and they can disciple somebody and take care of their kids, but the majority are not. You focus on those kids, and you build into their lives. That is the season. That's discipleship as you're building into those young children's lives. So the challenge that I have for us this morning from this week's lesson is that you would make disciples, that you would invest your life in the lives of others. But what does that look like? How do I do that? 
Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning, and I want to address six D's of discipleship to give you a picture of what it means to invest in others' lives, to make disciples. And so we begin with first D, the duty. Is discipleship optional? Is it something that I can choose to do if I want to, or is it, is it really a duty? And I think Matthew 28, 19 to 20, makes it very clear that discipleship is a command. It's not the great um, suggestion or the great option. It's the great commission. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. It is a command that was given by Jesus to his disciples in that first century And it is carried on throughout the ages to all disciples of Jesus Christ. If we are a disciple of Jesus Christ, that command applies to us. Go and make disciples. It's our duty if we're following him. But if that's true, then why are there so many believers who aren't making disciples? And I think there's a variety of reasons. I think one is... We don't understand what it really means, which kind of goes along with, I think, another reason is I don't know what to do to disciple somebody. I have had so many women here even since I've been here come to me and say, oh, cricket, so-and-so asked me to disciple her. What do I do? And that's why back in 2010, I wrote the spiritual toolbox, which this is a condensed version of, because I thought I need to give my women some direction on what to do with discipleship. But I think that's why a lot of people aren't discipling because I don't have a clue what that means. I don't know what to do. Another reason I think we sometimes are not discipling is because life happens. Uh, We may get sick or have a disease that we're dealing with or a loved one that needs all of our time. Um, It may be uh, different reasons, uh, just work or busyness that we are, although I have found that God will give us opportunities in whatever we're going through, we can still make an impact in the lives of others lying in a hospital bed. I can't remember who was sharing recently. It may have been Nancy Hart with your husband when he was in the hospital that, um, you know, sharing, talking about Jesus with everybody who walks in the hospital room. I think of Marianne Frazier in hospice. And when I went to see her and she said, darling, and she was very weak, but she said, darling, I talk about Jesus to everybody who walks through this door. You know, we can still talk about the Lord. I think of my mom in her late 90s at the nursing home here and couldn't see, couldn't talk, couldn't hear. But she would sit in that wheelchair and smile. And I cannot tell you how many conversations that smile opened up with social workers and nurses and the other residents that would say, Cricket, how is your mom able to sit there and smile when she's in this condition? And I said, because she knows Jesus and she's ready to go. You know, and so take advantage of whatever situation, whether it's your hairstylist, 
whether it's your doctor. I mean, yesterday I had a doctor appointment, and I'm sharing my testimony with both the doctor and the nurse. Just, it came up as they asked me a question, and I'd say, well, you know, and I'd tell them this. We can still talk. We may not be able to technically make disciples, but we're putting those seeds. We're talking about the Lord, even in those times that it seems like we can't because of life going on. So it's our duty. That's the first D. Matthew 28 tells us that. The second D is uh, the definition. What exactly does discipleship mean? The definition, I love Herb Hodge's book, uh, Tally Ho the Fox, and he defines disciple as used in Matthew 28 as a committed, lifelong learner and follower of Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus is saying, I want you to make disciples, he is saying, I want you to develop men and women who are committed into committed, lifelong learners and followers of of me, Jesus Christ. I want you to help them grow spiritually. So what does discipleship look like? That's the definition, but what does that look like? Well, that brings us to the third D, the description. How would you describe discipleship? What is involved in it? Well, I want to give you four characteristics of discipleship. First, it is relational. It's not a program that we take somebody through. You can have things, curriculum, but that's not just it. Just because somebody goes through a curriculum, I mean, that, that's not just dis- discipleship. It's not just going through a curriculum. It's building that relationship. It is relational. And Paul told the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, I am well pleased to impart to you my own life. Sharing your life with that person. You impart your life through relationship. You know, I go back to college and I remember when Bonnie was discipling me and she gave me so many examples of this characteristic. But at one point, my uncle died uh, up in plane dealing, North Louisiana, and I wanted to go home to the funeral, but I didn't have a car and couldn't afford to fly and just thought, okay, I'm going to miss it. And I was just talking to Bonnie about, I kind of wish I could go home for the funeral, but I can't. And she said, well, Janine, and that's how my name was Janine at that time, and she said, why don't we just go together? Why don't I drive you if you don't mind me coming home with you? And I was like, you would do that? She said, well, yeah, we could have fun. We can spend time, six hours in the car going. She did. We packed up, got in that car. She drove me to plain dealing and met my family, and we did some hiking. And just. And all during that time, though, she was still discipling me, talking to me, building it, asking me questions. She got to go to my church. That's relational. That's just important in discipleship is taking somebody through, okay, let's go through this passage. That's important, but you want to also have the relationship. The second characteristic is that it's purposeful. You are spending time with that person for a reason. And the goal of discipleship, and I really want you to hear this, the goal of discipleship and why you're doing it is that you're wanting to help 
bring that person to spiritual maturity. That's the goal, is spiritual maturity. You want to help that person grow and develop to be more like Christ. And so it's purposeful. You're going to do those things with them that will help them do that. A third characteristic is by example, not just words. Don't just tell them, this is what you need to do to live the Christian life. Go do it. Or this is, you need to be in the Bible. Go do it. Don't just tell them. Demonstrate it in your life. Let them see what you're doing. Let them see you living it out. I remember, you know, when Bonnie started discipling me, I remember saying, you know, she was talking about a quiet time and meeting with Jesus. And I'd say, what does that look like? I mean, how do you do that? And so she said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you come join me tomorrow morning for my quiet time and meet me at the chapel on the campus. And so I met her early, six-something that morning, and she walked me through. I mean, she said, you know, I start, and I just spend some time praising God. So let's praise God together. Out loud? And she said, yep, yeah, out loud. (laughs) So she walked me through her quiet time, and it was, I still follow that pattern in my quiet times from what she taught me. She didn't just tell me, Cricket, you need to be having a quiet time, or Janine, as she called me. Let's, let's do it together. Let me show you how to do it. So it's not just words, it's examples. Do you want them in the Word? Show them how to do it. Do you want them to share their faith? Show them how to do it. I asked Bonnie, would you show me how to share my faith? We spent every week doing that. But also let them see how you deal with sin and failure, disappointment. Let them see how you walk through struggles, that you're not perfect. Because that's just as important as those other things. So it's it's by example. So and then the fourth characteristic, it's word centered. The word should always be part of that discipleship relationship. And it, you know, it may not be sitting down going through a a structured Bible study with them or anything structured. They may just say, hey, I just want to hang out with you. But I think it's important that we're always somehow bringing in God's word. And like maybe you're meeting with them and they're saying, oh, I'm so anxious and I'm so stressed today. Well, gosh, I wonder what Jesus says about that. You know, I was just reading about, in Philippians 4, about don't be anxious. I try to always point them to the Word. Or what did you think about the sermon or what was said Sunday morning? Did anything hit you? Or what are you learning in your time with the Lord? Or sharing something about, man, I read this this morning in my time with the Lord. Let me share it with you. So those four characteristics, relational, purposeful, by example, word-centered. And so we've looked at the first three Ds, the duty, the definition, the description, and then fourth, the duplication. You know, when I was on staff with crew, our motto in ministry that they taught us was win, build, and send. Win people to Christ through evangelism, sharing your faith, Build them through discipleship. 
and then send them out to do the same with someone else and multiply yourself. Let them duplicate what they're learning from you. And that's the model that Jesus taught his disciples. When he would teach them and build, he built into the lives of 12 men who went out and, and built and trained churches and disciple people. You know, he told them in Matthew 28 to teach others to observe all that I commanded you. So I want you to take what I've taught you and teach them who will teach others. So discipleship involves multiplication. We're hoping that the person we're discipling, it doesn't just end there. Sometimes it does. But we hope that they will take what we've shared with them and go do it with someone else. That's what Paul, that was his challenge to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And that was a big concept in crew, was the, the, tra- the transferable concepts, giving us things that we could teach and then take and they could teach it. You know, that's why even on Tuesday mornings when I'm teaching you, I try to give you a challenge and an outline that fits into that so that you could take that outline that I'm going through and you could go teach it to somebody else. I try to make it clear. I don't always, but I try to give you a clear roadmap of where I'm taking you so that you can go and share it with somebody else. That was, multi- was Jesus' method for reaching the world for Christ, multiplication. Duplicating what he was teaching to somebody else is so much more effective than just taking one person at a time. And then the fifth D, the details. And this is more of some of the questions that have come up uh, as people have asked me questions about discipleship. Uh, first one is just uh, that I hear often is, well, how do I find someone to disciple? Or how do I find someone to disciple me? You know, uh, I know churches have, have had uh, programs where they pair people up. My church in Dallas did that. But to be honest, more often than not, it just didn't work because there wasn't that natural connection. And a lot of times, for me, it didn't work because, I don't know, I mean, we just didn't connect and she didn't really want to meet. So I uh, started looking around and that's what I want to tell you. How do you find somebody? You look around. And you look around your small group, you look around your Sunday school class, you look around, you know, at church, the retreat, you look around and you think, man, I would love to get to know her better. And you, you initiate. I mean, you, you ask. Look around. I find that the best discipleship, mentoring relationships are those that happen naturally. That's what I did in Dallas. I, I got to know somebody at family camp and just went up afterwards and said, Diana, I love just getting to know you. Could we just spend some time together? And we did, and we're still in close touch. She's still one of my best friends today. But that, I think, is much more effective than pairing people up and hoping that it works. We can do that, but most of the time, sometimes it happens. It works. But my encouragement is 
you look around and find somebody that you would love to either disciple or be discipled by. And then that brings us to um, the next question. Who does the asking? Do you wait to be asked by somebody to disciple you or do you take the initiative? And I would say whoever, if you want to be discipled, you go to somebody and say, would you disciple me? Or you don't even use those words. Just say, would you just spend some time with me? I'd just like to get to know you. Because sometimes it can kind of overwhelm somebody if you ask them, will you disciple me? So it's just easier to, and older women, if you see somebody, I've done that where I've gotten to know a younger woman and I've just said, I'd love to spend some time with you. Could we go to coffee and talk? That's what I would recommend doing is let it happen naturally. Um, and I asked you the question in your study, does there have to be a natural affinity for somebody in order to disciple her? And the answer is not necessarily. God can use you to disciple somebody that maybe you're not just naturally drawn to. However, uh, it's been shown that the, the richest or deepest relationships usually are with those that you have that natural affinity for. But it doesn't mean that you can't do it. So take that initiative and don't wait to be asked. Just if you have it on your heart, go to that person. And then a third question, how long do I meet with somebody? Or how long does it take to decide? Well, I was doing a radio interview a few months ago, and we were talking about discipleship, and Jennifer asked me, she said, so Cricket, how long does it take you to disciple a woman? And my answer was, as long as the Lord leads. There's no set time. I have had uh, women I've met with for, you know, two months or six months or a year. Uh, I think back through... At LSU, you know, Bonnie only discipled me for two months, or actually four months. She discipled me for four months. That summer, I went on a beach project, and Joyce Bateman asked me on day one, do you want to be discipled? Yes. And it was only two months. But those two women made such an impact. Um, Mary discipled me my senior year for a whole year. There is no formula time-wise for how long you have to meet with somebody to disciple them. Let the Lord lead. Depending on what their needs are and what life throws at, at you, just let the Spirit lead. And then we come to the 6D, the design. How do I do it? I believe that's what holds people back more than anything else. I don't know what to do. So, I want to just share with you, uh, well, one of the first things that I do, or that I ask somebody, when somebody comes to me and they say, hey, Cricket, would you disciple me? One of the first things I ask them is, so, what are you looking for in that relationship? What is, what do you want to result from this time together? What do you need because I want to make sure that we're on the same page. I don't want to spend time taking her through something that she doesn't want that. She wants this. So I start with that. And then I think that um, I see three levels of discipleship. And there's a different level 
a, a different goal for every level. And the first level is that of a new believer or somebody who's never been grounded in their faith. When Bonnie discipled me as a junior at LSU, I wasn't a new believer. I'd become a Christian when I was nine years old, but no one ever sat down with me through junior high or high school to ever talk to me about assurance of salvation or how do I know I'm forgiven? I mean, what, what am I basing forgiveness? I mean, nobody took me through the basics. Bonnie did that. That's that first level. Where, and the goal of that level is ground them. You want to ground them, root them in their faith. And this might be somebody that's been a Christian. I've had women tell me, I've been a Christian for so long, but nobody has ever taken me through this. But you want to ground them. And even though, um, well, in our study this semester, we spent um, the first week on these foundational principles and even some into the second and third week. But uh, I put them all in one week. But when I meet with somebody, I'll usually do one of those sessions one time, like assurance of uh, salvation. I may take one or two meetings with them to go over that. Take it slowly. And um, ground them in their faith. And in that level, it's important to take them through Scripture. You want to, just like I did with you in week one, you want them to know where, how do they know they're saved? How do, what's their salvation based on? How do they, who's the Holy Spirit? Where in the Word does it talk about? these things. So you want them to be in the Word studying these things, showing them where they are. So that level, I think it is important to put them in the Word. And I will say that even when I disciple somebody that's been walking for a long time, I still go back to this level first and say, all right, let's talk about your, tell me how you became a Christian. So where in Scripture would you show me that confidence that you are a Christian? Because I want to make sure they understand. I don't want to take for granted. That's the first level. The second level is those who want to grow deeper in Christ. They've already got their foundation. They've been, they've been grounded. But now they just want to go deeper. And so the goal there is to grow them. You want to grow them in their faith. Remember that the goal, the purpose of discipleship is spiritual maturity. So you're wanting to help spur them on towards spiritual maturity. Where do they need to grow? Where, in what area do they need to develop? Is it how to study the Bible or how to fight spiritual warfare? You know, maybe figuring out their mission. How do you handle, you just ask them, how do they share their, I mean, do you want to learn to share your faith? Let me help you with that. And that level can be a combination of maybe taking them through something in the Word, but also sometimes it may just be hanging out, talking through issues. I've met with women here that some wanted a structured Bible study. I think of Courtney Cannon. We met at her home for, I don't know, a year or so and had little baby Grace on the floor during that time while we went through the spiritual toolbox. Because she said, I want you to take me through and teach me how to do this. It could be that. Or it may just be 
answering questions. There have been women, they'll come and say, I've got some theological questions. I'd like to discuss them. Can we talk them through? So that is, that level can be a combination. And then the third level, which can differ a little bit from discipleship, but it's mentoring. We hear that word mentoring. And what is the difference, if any, between discipleship and mentoring? Well, again, discipleship is the process of taking somebody from a new believer into becoming a committed, lifelong learner and follower of Jesus Christ. The goal of discipleship is helping that person grow towards spiritual maturity. Mentoring is the process of helping someone reach her maximum potential for the Lord in a specific area. Helping somebody reach her maximum potential for the Lord in a specific area. It, you know, they can overlap. I think they, mentoring can be a form of discipleship. But mentoring tends to focus on a specific area of life. They're less, mentoring relationships are less structured. Um, they're more practical. The goal of mentoring is to develop them in that specific area that they're wanting to grow in. For instance, it may be a young mom who's like, I've got some, I don't know how to handle these kids. Could you mentor me? And going to another mom and saying, help me be a good mom because I don't know what to do. I wouldn't call that discipleship because the purpose isn't necessarily taking them to spiritual maturity as much as it is helping them develop their potential as in that role, that, that mom. I'm mentored today. I, I was mentored in Dallas by Kay Daigle, who is the women's director. She mentored me in how to lead a women's ministry. But I don't think of Kay as discipling me because we weren't going through, you know, how to have a quiet time, how to study. She was just trying to help me develop in this area. So I see mentoring more as helping develop them And even now, I have women that are helping me develop. They're mentoring me in writing and speaking. There's a a difference between discipleship and mentoring. And if you have questions, we can talk more about that afterwards. Um, Six Ds of discipleship. The duty, the definition, the description, the duplication, the details, and the design. Our duty as followers of Jesus Christ is to make disciples. Invest your life in the lives of others. And so, who are you investing your life in today? It may be your kids right now. Or it may be somebody. And if you're not, then maybe ask the Lord, Lord, would you just show me somebody that I can invest in? whether it's helping them develop in a specific area or just helping them grow towards spiritual maturity. Take time to really think that is our challenge. Are we investing our lives in the lives of others and making a difference with our lives in that way? Let's pray. Father, um, 
I'm thankful for those women who have discipled me and built into my life. I'm thankful for the women who have mentored me. And Father, I pray that every woman in this room would follow your leading and how you want to use them in the lives of others. And that, Father, we would be making a difference for you by really being willing to invest in the lives of others. Father, thank you for these uh, nine weeks that we've had together, becoming rooted, and uh, I pray that, Lord, this would just be the beginning for them, that they would take these materials, these concepts, and share them with somebody else. Father, uh, give us a sweet time around our food and fellowship today as we begin to eat. And we pray for those who prepared the food. We thank you for providing this uh, taco soup on a cold day outside. Thank you. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.